Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. Well, I have good news. Um, spring has decided to join us. Uh, I mean, the weather, I mean, the season came, but the weather kind of back and forth. Not sure if it wants to be a part of the season or not, but, but I, I like the changes that come with spring. Um, it brings about beautiful, beautiful things, things like uh, dandelions. <laughs> um, little known theological fact for you. Every time you blow the little cotton petals off of a dandelion, an angel gets its wings. And simultaneously, you plant 47,000 more dandelions. Stop doing that, you know? <laughs> Stop doing it, please. Do it somewhere else. Don't do it here. It's, it's enough. But I don't mind. I'm not going to complain about the dandelions because with the dandelions in the springtime weather, that means the fishing gets better um, for most people, not necessarily for me. But for most people, the fishing does uh, does get better. I did have the uh, quintessential springtime experience the other day. Um, you caught a bunch of fish? No, no, I obviously didn't catch a bunch of fish. Um, you know, there's these things you learn, these lessons you learn, and sometimes you have to relearn things. Like, you just forget things, and then, then once you're reminded of it, you're like, oh, I knew that. I knew that. Let me give you, let me give you a couple of examples. Um, change of the weather, uh, here's one for you. You wake up, you wake up, and your head is just rocking. You can't breathe, you can't see, and you're like, I'm pretty sure I have leprosy. Like, I've got, there's something seriously wrong with, with me. And then, and then suddenly you're like, pollen. Oh, yeah, pollen. Now I remember, right, I have these, I forget about this, you know? I, once a year, I come into the office and I say to Luke, man, I got the flu or, or like the cold. I got a cold. And Luke would be like, it's called allergies. You'll be okay. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure I'm dying. Pretty sure, pretty sure I'm dying, you know. Um, here's another one for you. Uh, so, sunscreen was invented in 1936. Yet, every single year, you or someone you love ventures out like a pioneer, like they've never seen the sun ever in their life, right? You, they're easy to spot. They're easy to spot. They're typically like a pink to salmon, crimson color, white, right through here, white, completely white, white from here up, and it looks like they're still wearing socks. That's what it, that's what it is. It was invented in 1936, yet at some point, we're just like, hey, it's the sun. Yes, it will burn you. It will burn you. And, and, and that's what happens, you know? For me, my quintessential springtime experience, the lesson that I forgot is easy. It's this one. Fishing pole first. Fishing pole first. Grab my tackle box, my fishing pole, I head it through the trees. And I'm, as, I'm, as I'm walking down this little path that takes me to my favorite little fishing hole, I remembered, but I remembered too late. It's like I just remembered it just... just a tad too late. Gwen Stefani warned us about this years ago. And I walked right into a spider web. 
There are two reactions. The world can kind of be broke down into two categories of people when it comes to walking into a spider's web. There are some of you who are self-harmers. Right? Self-harmers. Then there's others of you who are kung fu pandas. That's what, then you become something else. There's a technique that goes with self-harmers. This is, this is what it looks like. You walk into it, and immediately what happens is you react as if there are spiders all over your body, because in your imagination, they are. They're all over your body, and you can't get rid of them fast enough, so you begin to self-harm, and, and, and here's the deal. It's slap, grab, throw. Slap, grab, throw. Like, this is what it... Like you have them, you know? Like this is what it looks like. Kung Fu Pandas, you're different. You're different. Your deal is like the two-handed judo chop, okay? And it, then you spit, like with, then like a, like a little kick, like, you know? Kung Fu Pandas. Now some of you, I see you pointing, you're like, that's you, you're that one, yes. And the self-harmers, like that's obviously me. Like when I come out of the woods, it's just like fishing pole first. Why fishing pole first? Because if you walk with your fishing pole in front of you, you know what happens? You never, like when Stefani said, walk into a spider's web. Never. Doesn't happen. I forgot this spring, and it happened. And I was just like, moron. As soon as I slapped myself in the face, I was like, you're a moron. Like, ah, oh, you're an idiot. You got a fishing pole. You should have. Fishing pole first. When the seasons change and the weather changes... There are all these other things that come about. Even in, even in the holidays, you take Easter in this wonderful season, but it really doesn't play to us as adults. Christmas, on the other hand, that's for everybody, right? I don't care, I don't care how you feel about it. I pull up my, and you love, I pull up my Dean Martin, Bean Crosby, Frank Sinatra Christmas playlist on my phone, and we play Christmas music. Why? Because it's the best music ever. That's why. And Christmas is good for that reason. You got dinners. Everyone's going to get a gift. You get to give a gift. You get to spend time with family if that's what you prefer. You get to spend time with friends if that's what you prefer. Christmas has something for everybody. Easter, though? Mm-mm. No. The kids are happy. And what are the parents doing? Oh. I was up till 3 in the morning putting Rolos in plastic eggs. Oh, okay, well, next year think that through a little better, I guess, you know? But this is what happens. This is for the kids. See, if Christmas is the holiday that reminds us God came near, in the form of Jesus, this little baby, he shows up in our life. He was looking for us, and he made connection with us. If Christmas is that holiday, then Easter... It's kind of the opposite. He dies, he resurrects, he ascends, and he leaves you here to deal with it on your own. That's the story that the world tells us. Easter can feel like that, and maybe I'm all alone in this. But that's kind of the way I see Easter. I don't have a playlist for Easter. Up from the grave he arose. I don't have that. I should, but I don't. I don't have it. Just don't have that, that same kind of feel. And see, what happens is I've forgotten all those other things that got me through. And maybe in this time as the seasons change, as Easter rolls around, maybe I've been looking at it all wrong. You know, Jesus, 
things changed for him too. In his last minutes as a free man while he's in the Garden of Gethsemane with his best dudes, with his, with his best mates around him, while he's there, everything changed. Everything changed for him too. And see, I don't know where you're at, and I don't know if you come in here this morning with the weight of the world on your shoulders, you've got a tragedy that's unfolding in your life, or you just walked out of one. Listen, I've got encouraging words for you. He rose from the dead. But it seems like there needs to be more there. Like, I need to understand it on a different level. What am I not seeing? What do I need to relearn? As things changed for Jesus and his disciples, there were a ton of things that people had to relearn. They had to go back and say, oh yeah, he said that. Let's take a look at Mark chapter 14. I want to show you a few responses to Easter. Jesus just returned to his disciples the third time. He asked them to pray while he was just overcome with emotion because he knows that the cross, this impending doom, is inevitable. And he returns and his disciples are asleep. He wakes them up. Wake up. Wake up. My betrayer is here. It's time to go. Chapter 14, verse 43. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas says, Rabbi! And he kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew a sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come with me, you've come to me with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. You see, there's three responses to Easter. The first one is Judas. And in Jesus' moments, his last free moments, he is betrayed. And maybe you come here today saying, you know what? I've been betrayed. I've had people turn on me. He promised me forever, put a ring on my finger, and he walked out the door. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And maybe you show up here today saying, you know what? My mom and dad promised they were going to do this, and they didn't. They left me. Been neglected, abandoned. This is my life. You know what? My boss promised me a promotion. You know what I got instead? Canned. That's what I got. We had a business relationship, and it, did, it, it was supposed to go a certain way, and it didn't. I'm disillusioned. And see, Easter brings about these feelings. This sudden, like, thing about this is good as life gets right here. So grab as many eggs as you can and cram them in your basket. We begin to look a little bit like Judas. Rummaging through the gutters, 
looking inside the downspouts for just one more shiny thing, one more piece of gold, one more piece of candy. Is there any more sweetness in life? Because life sucks a lot, and so let's get as much joy out of it as we possibly can. And that's Judas. You see, maybe you've been distracted by the same thing that Judas was distracted with. You know, Judas was the one that stood by, and when the lady came in and she, she broke the, uh, the alabaster box, and she anoints the feet of Jesus, and, and Judas is over on the other side going, you know how much that was worth? He just couldn't get his eyes off of it. He couldn't stop thinking dollar bills. He didn't see people. He saw opportunities. He saw profit. See, maybe you bought into that same thing. You know what? Yeah, the resurrection's all good and, 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 and swell, Jared. But at the same time, life is tough, and I don't care whose neck I have to step on. I'm going to get mine. Hmm. If that's you, my friend, I got some rough, 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 rough news for you. You bought into the lie. And I bet you if you were honest, you could say this. Anything you got to this point has not made you content. If it had, my guess is you wouldn't be sitting here. Contentment? You can look anywhere you want for that, but I promise you it will only be found in Jesus. You see, Judas's response to that is, it's all caving in. It's all caving in, so I'm going to get mine. See, Mark doesn't tell us this, but Matthew does. Matthew's gospel says this, that Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver. He wasn't like a wanted man with a hefty price on his head. There's a Jewish law. You know what it said? If you own an ox and your ox happens to uh, trample over the top of somebody else's slave or gore him with his horns, if your ox kills another man's slave, you owe that man 30 pieces of silver for his dead slave. The price of Jesus to Judas, his value, a dead slave. That's the value of Jesus. To the authorities and to Judas, a dead slave. Let me tell you something. I promise you, in all of your searchings, no matter what gutter you're looking in, no matter what uh, a flower bed, you're looking for all these cute little knickknacks and these little plastic eggs and whatever joy it is that you feel like you have to have or the next shiny thing, I can promise you this. None of those things have ever came and looked for you like Jesus has. There's a second response to Easter. Verse 47. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. I don't know. Here's the thing. This church operates a little bit different. Sometimes we make some statements around here that... Somebody gets in a tussle and there's a situation between a husband and a wife. I've heard guys actually say things like, you, you want us to go check him? I can appreciate that, you know? But like, if they took swords, we got a problem, you know? And I don't know what the deal is. Mark doesn't tell us who this was that pulled a sword and went to hacking on people. But one of the other gospels does. And it's the one and only Peter. Peter? Like up on this rock, I will build my church, Peter? Yes. Like two chapters earlier when the, when the teacher of the law said, hey, um, what's the greatest commandment? 
And Jesus was standing there, and Jesus said, I can only assume the disciples were there. And Jesus says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your strength, your soul. And the second one is important too. Love your neighbor as yourself. Did Peter skip class that day? Did he not go to synagogue? He's like, you know, I'm going to call in sick on this one. I heard the love speech before. Not really my thing. I'm more about combat. You know, is that what he's saying? I don't know. But what about a few chapters before that? Chapter 8. Where Jesus says to his inner circle, to his main guys, he says, now listen, here's the thing. We're going to Jerusalem, and things are going to get hairy. They're going to grab me, they're going to beat me, they're going to flog me, and I will be killed. And Peter pulls Jesus aside, and it says, rebuked him. Can you imagine? Peter grabs him up. Look, I know you're the Messiah and all that, but listen, let me take you to school on how this is supposed to work. Listen, you don't do, Messiahs don't do that. You're here to save us. Don't go be a martyr. That's not what we're in for. We need to do this other deal. And Jesus looks at him and he says, uh, get behind me, Satan, for the concerns that you have are the concerns of men, not the concerns of God. And I can't tell you how many freaking times God does something, Jesus reacts in my life and lets something unfold inside my world and I don't know exactly how this is supposed to go and my first reaction is to pull a sword and fill heaven with sailor's language because I do not like what Jesus is putting on my plate right now. I won't eat it. And I lash out. In those moments, I think it's my faith that needs to be questioned. You see, the book of Isaiah says this. For my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts, declares the Lord. He's not like us. Are you just thinking about mere manly physical concerns? Is that the thing? Because I got news for you. We are not just mere men. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. These things cannot affect us. This is not my home. This is not your home. We are just passing through. So to get wound so tight about what's going on here, there's got to be an element of trust. And I'll be honest with you, faith sometimes feels like you're lying to yourself, doesn't it? It's all going to be good. It's all going to be good. Is it going to be good? No, it's not going to be good. Is it going to pan out? No, it's going to pan out. It's going to be. This is, no, there's no way this is going to pan out. It's going to be terrible. So with a situation, I was with a family yesterday who had unexpectedly lost a member of their family, 39 years old. And I walked in the door and they said, okay, Jared, give us some wise words. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I got, I got a Band-Aid just for this. All I could tell them was this. Anything I say at this point is gonna sound so cliche. But I can tell you this, the part about being a Christian that I hate the most is that I know it's all going to be okay and I have to convince myself of it all the time. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. God is working for the good. It's going to be okay. He's working for the good. This situation is terrible and my husband's having a massive breakdown right now. It's going to be okay. He's working for the good the hardest part and sometimes I'm Peter and that's my reaction 
I don't get so much distracted by all the other stuff, but I get to that place to where I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? And he's trying to get to Jerusalem to save me from my sins. And I'm over here with a sword hacking people to pieces. And the Lord is yelling, am I, am I leading a rebellion? What is, was this anything we talked about? No, 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 sorry. My bad about the ear. There's a third response. Verse 50. Then everyone deserted him and fled. Verse 51. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind Judas betrays him for 30 pieces of silver, overcome with guilt and absolute remorse, takes the money back to the temple and throws it inside and goes and hangs himself. Peter walks with Jesus for three years, listens to every single thing that Jesus says to do. Peter's a hard one to get through to. He's kind of rigid. Finally, right when you think he's got it, who do people say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Messiah, the son of the, the, son of the living God. You got it, Peter. Now let's get him. What? Are you, what? <laughs> and then you got this guy, the last man standing, and he's not even a man, he's a boy. And to make it even worse, he's just wearing his pajamas. A pajama-clad boy. Hiding in the bushes is the last one to stand with Jesus. You know, some people will tell you, if you read through commentaries, some people will tell you that this right here is a cameo appearance of the author himself, the writer, Mark. That he was so beat up by this moment that he confesses his sin in narrative. And he writes himself into the story. There was a young man wearing just pajamas, and when they grabbed him, he fled naked. I don't know if that's Mark or not. But I can tell you this, in the torch light as it flickers in the Garden of Gethsemane, in this frozen moment when Jesus is all alone, if you look inside that, if you zoom in past all the guards and you look into the shadows of the bushes, there is a face of a young man. And if you look deep into his eyes, you know what I bet you can see? Yourself. Because I can see me in it. Moments when I wished I would have said something, but I was too scared. Moments when I needed to confess, but I refused. Moments when I needed to call somebody up and say, look, I'm broken. Can you just come help me? I don't even know what I'm doing. I do not have it together. Those moments when you're just terrified and you refuse to reach out to somebody else. I can see him. And I think it's me. And I think it could be you. Jesus is arrested, he's tried, he's flogged, and then he's crucified. He spends hours on the cross, struggling for every breath, and eventually he dies. His body is taken down and is put into a tomb. They roll a big stone over the tomb, and all the disciples go home heartbroken and beat up 
few days later, Mary Magdalene, she's kind of a, she's kind of a, a neat character within Scripture. She shows up early, early in the morning. She gets there a few days after this has all gone down. And she realizes, like, things have changed. Like, Easter has happened. Spring has sprung. There's still dew on the ground. And she's making her way there. What she doesn't realize is that things have really changed since last time she was here. She arrives to the tomb. And the stone at the mouth of the cave has been just flicked aside. This massive boulder just, just flicked aside. She's overcome with emotion. She, she peers inside. She begins to weep. Where's the Savior? Just then, two angels sitting inside the tomb. Ah, uh, why are you crying? She says, they took my Savior away and I don't know what they did with him. Just then another voice from behind her. It's Jesus, but she doesn't realize it's Jesus. Woman, why are you crying? She turns around. She says, they, they, took, they took my Lord away. She thought it was the gardener. She said, if you just tell me what you did with the body, I'll go get him myself. I'm not going to be mad. I'll just go get him myself. And Jesus looks at her and he goes, Mary, Mary. And in Aramaic, she yells, Teacher! She rushes to hold on to him. Then Jesus says something very, very cryptic. He looks at her and he says, Do not hold on to me, for I have not ascended to the Father yet, to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Instead, rather, run home. Go tell my brothers that you saw me. She takes off. Now listen, we're all there. We're all right there in the garden. And as her feet kick the, the wet dew off, and you can hear her she, as she kind of sobs these tears of joy and, and confusion as she runs away, we are left right there waiting. What is Jesus talking about? Mary returns home to this house full of disillusioned disciples. She opens up the door and she says, uh, here's the thing. Uh, spring's weird this way, you know? He, uh, Jesus isn't in there anymore. Go tell my brothers. Go tell my brothers. What, is it, what does that have to do with me? I'll tell you what it has to do with me. Inside the tomb was just one thing. These two angels were sitting there, but there was just this thing that was left behind. Do you remember what it was? This linen garment. This linen garment, the burial cloth that he was buried in. Here's what I think Jesus is saying. Judas missed Easter. Of all the miracles that Jesus ever did, Judas saw them all but one. The greatest one, the resurrection. And then we, we see Peter 
And he gets to this place, powerful and strong, and then he fails at the last moment. And then we've got this young man who leaves his garment behind. You know, if your life looks anything like my life, that we probably spent more time on the other side of the 30 pieces of silver, betraying Christ more so than being betrayed. And if you drag your failures in here and your brokenness and your weakness and all those things that we're just like cover up and hide and try to mask as best we possibly can, put on a good front, that way everybody thinks we really got it together. And if that's what you do and you bring it in here, I got some news for you. He's not mad at you. He's not mad at you. This is why he said, go tell my brothers, talking to us. The same message he gave centuries ago on this day, he tells us today. He is my God and your God. He is my father and your father. Why do you stay outside the door? Why do you sit out there guilt-ridden, feeling terrible, like, I don't want to put Jesus out with all my sin? He suffered and died for you so that you would have a place at the table. And he calls you in. He calls you in. You see, some of us ran and hid and, and, and tried to cover up our shame and our nakedness. And all we could do was just hide in the bushes and hope nobody sees us. Our, we are uh, broken, fractured, spiritually and emotionally bankrupt. And we desperately need a garment to be covered in. Book of Revelation says this, Revelation chapter 3. Verse 17, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and I do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched and pitiful and poor and blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined with fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. When we come into a place like this, we come in here with a whole lot of differences. We're all in a different place in our life which means we have different decisions that we have to make. See, some of you, we refer to as friends of the faith. You've never made a decision for Jesus. You like the people, you like the church, you like the music, you like the stories, but you've never taken that step to say, I need my own faith. I need to put my feet into this thing and say, this belongs to me. You're what we call friends of the faith. Listen, if that's you, let me encourage you right now. You need to make that decision. You need to step forward and say, I need to make Jesus mine. I need to accept that gift of salvation. I need to meet him in the waters of baptism. Some of you made that decision already years ago. And you've been faithful and you've walked through it for years and years and you were fine leaders and we appreciate you and you serve the Lord in everything that you do and you grow and you mature. But then there's some of us who we accepted this faith a long time ago. And then something about the way Easter unfolds, the reality that it was time for me to grow up. We got distracted by all the things of the world in the parable. 
where it talks about the seeds. It says, the ones that grew up quickly and then they were choked out, and they were choked out by what? The cares of the world. Does that remind you of anybody? We get choked out. Our faith gets choked out by the cares of the world. You see, and if that's you, then you need to make a different decision today. You need to make a decision to where you say, I need to recommit myself to the Lord. I need to make Easter that annual thing for me that I make this decision today and next year, I will measure myself to see how have I grown? How have I moved forward? You need to recommit yourself. You need to recommit yourself to your family. You need to recommit yourself to, to the Lord, to the church, to your community, to stop being selfish and to reach out to other people because the Lord in doing that very thing saved our lives by thinking of us. We're going to close out our service just a little bit different than we typically do. Uh, Luke and I are going to be up front. And if you have a need uh, in either one of those categories, you need to talk to somebody about receiving Christ or maturing in Christ or recommitting your life to Christ, then come talk to us as soon as the service is out. Uh, we're going to play a little music and you can high five and shake hands and do your thing. Uh, but if you have a need, uh, come talk to us as soon as the service is over. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for the sacrifice of Jesus. Lord, we thank you so much that the resurrection uh, happened, that it was a real event. Lord, that it changed our lives. Lord, and that you call us to be brothers and sisters with you. Lord, we thank you so much for that sacrifice and everything you've done. Lord, we thank you for this community. Uh, Lord, we thank you also for this church. We ask that you will bless our lives. Give us safe, trouble-free travel. Um, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful, wonderful afternoon.